Welcome to another episode of OccupyInterview.com Radio. Today's guest is going to be Kevin Ryan. Uh, Kevin Ryan uh, was a researcher at UL Laboratories. Um, he was fired over controversial opinions over uh, the 9-11 uh, World Trade Center NIST NIST uh, documentation on the uh, explanation of the collapse of the buildings. Um, he's also involved with the Occupy movement. Our uh, host today besides me, James, uh, is Terry Bain. I want to thank Brattery, Menford, KD Droxel, and everybody else out there that helped get in the show on the road. Terry, why don't you start us off? Hey, uh, thank you there, James. I uh, just wanted to say thanks again. It's good to have Ocean Radio back on the air. And Kevin, say hi for us, if you would. Hello there, Terry and James. <laughs> it's good to else. hear from you. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you the first question is the is the question that really uh, where were you on 9/11? Do you remember where you were and what you felt that day? Yes, I do. I was working that day at UL in uh, South Bend, Indiana. I was uh, uh, just making technical reports on, uh, in the laboratory, and and uh, my colleagues and I began to uh, hear on the radio the news of uh, the events of that day. And, uh, you know, it obviously was a s- immediately uh, a stunning sort of uh, reports coming through the through the airwaves, and uh, we really didn't know what was going on at the time, but uh, um, the media throughout the day appeared to have uh, some direction in, in telling us about what was happening and and even who was responsible, even that first day. Uh, the, uh, I think like a lot of us, that there was an emotional component that day, which it turned out to be, was done by design. Uh, was there, would you have had any concept at all that within a couple of years you'd have to organize a legal defense fund over what was happening on 9-11? No, absolutely not. Uh, you know, in 2001, I was—I uh, would say I was politically naive for the most part, and not uh, terribly involved in in politically uh, oriented issues. But uh, you know, over time, particularly in 2003, um, I began to see the uh, the deception behind the run-up to the the Iraq War, and uh, that brought to mind. Uh, comments made to me by the, our company's chief executive officer and, and other top managers at the company about how UL had uh, done the fire resistance testing for the World Trade Center steel um, 40 years before uh, to ensure that the, the buildings wouldn't do essentially what the uh, official explanations claim that they were doing, which is uh, fail from fire. So, um, you know, that those deceptions relative to the, the run-up to the Iraq War, the lies about aluminum tubes and, and uh, Niger uh, uh, yellow cake and so forth. Uh, the, the international press was reporting these very clearly as, as uh, forged documents and, and lies. Um, and so my mind began to, to uh, wander to the question of uh, when did this incredible lying begin? Because, you know, if if uh, the Bush administration at the time could have lied to start a war that 
uh, fairly obviously was going to kill at least thousands of people, then uh, you know what what kind of lies might have been behind the uh, the events of 9/11. And as I learned more about the buildings and and how the, the government stalled the investigations and then struggled really to come up with any plausible explanation for how uh, the first three buildings in history could have fallen uh, through the path of most re uh, resistance due to fire. Uh, the first three instances all in the same place in the same day never happened bef before or since. Um, that led me to really question those those fire resistance tests. Could, could you uh, address that too? Uh, that's really a crucial point here. Is in the entire history, am I correct on this, that uh, there's only been three structural steel failures and those all happened on 9-11? That's right. The only three instances of a, of a tall building uh, falling, completely collapsing, uh, as these buildings did, uh, the only three instances in history were on 9-11 and all in the same place. So uh, that, is, uh, that is a very improbable scenario, and uh, it leads to a lot of other questions. Especially when you give some thought to there were only two plane crashes that day as far as we know, correct? That's right. A lot of people are not aware that, uh, of course, the towers each hit by one one airliner, uh, and those towers were actually designed for impact by uh, 707. Um, but there was a third building, World Trade Center Building 7, which uh, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon fell into its own footprint in, in a matter of seconds, um, and it was not hit by a plane. Uh, how did you end up from that point ending up needing a legal defense fund? Well, I actually started asking questions that, that year, 2003, as I saw these lies about the Iraq war, and I, I, it started to add up to me that there was something fishy about 9-11. I started asking questions at my company, uh, trying to clarify what the CEO had told me about the fire resistance testing and the fire resistance uh, division manager with uh, try to communicate with him and, and reconcile this problem that, you know, we had certified the steel as a company to uh, uh, to ensure that the buildings lasted for multiple hours. And, and one of the buildings uh, was destroyed completely in 56 minutes. So, uh, you know, from fire, which, which brought into question our testing at, at the very least. And I uh, spent about a year uh, going back and forth with these, these guys, and uh, they uh, really pointed to this uh, NIST report, which you, uh, I believe, mentioned. The National Institute of Standards and Technology is the federal agency that, that created the World Trade Center reports, the official accounts. And uh, that uh, agency put out a draft presentation of its report in October 2004, and it was just immediately evident to me that uh, they were falsifying the uh, results, not the not the actual test results. And in this case, they did tests on the floor assemblies to see if they would support this pancake theory that was a longstanding explanation. And they also did steel temperature tests. And, and those results uh, were straightforward, but the summary report actually contradicted the results uh, in order to support the political story. So what happened is I wrote a letter to NIST directly 
as the division matter uh, division manager of UL and uh, asked them to reconcile it to clarify how could uh, these buildings fall when we had tested the steel uh, as we had to certify for multiple hours. For having sent that letter, I was uh, fired uh, by UL for uh, damaging their relationship with NIST, who was a customer of the company, and uh, and bringing this this sensitive issue into the public spotlight. So that's what brought me to uh, to a legal defense fund because uh, you know being fired for um, just trying to help, uh, in my view. Uh, was something that led me to legal action against UL. So the truth basically was important enough to you that, that you wanted to keep pushing. Did you get some kind of feedback that if you kept pushing, you were going to have, there were going to be ramifications, to put it lightly? Well, after I uh, sent the, uh, the letter to NIST, it was uh, five days before I got fired, and over that weekend, it was a weekend in between, and the top management at UL had gotten together and, and met about it, and they called me on the phone, and they asked me if I'd uh, asked these people uh, who I copied, who uh, began spreading it around the Internet, if they would take it all down off the Internet, if they would, uh, you know, stop uh, publicizing this, and I right. told them pretty much, no, I, I won't, won't do that. I think the, the world needs answers to these questions. Uh, the 9/11 attacks and what happened in New York and Washington really are the uh, are the driving uh, events behind the war on terror, which is uh, largely the uh, the origin of a lot of our financial problems and our, our civil rights issues, and of course the, the slaughter of, of millions of people around the world. Um, uh, it's just it's absolutely unacceptable, and for a company like UL, which is, uh, claims to be a public safety guardian, to to not speak up about something like this, and that they still haven't taken a public position, um, is just it's unconscionable. What uh, has there been an outcome of of the legal case yet, or is that still hung up in the courts? Yeah, the, the initial legal case was dismissed by a federal judge in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, it was kind of odd that uh, a lot of what happened with the World Trade Center reports and, and with the ruling on this case uh, all occurred uh, at dates that were kind of politically convenient right before the 9-11 anniversary. Um, um, one year, the, uh, the judge ruled that uh, the case would be thrown out. Um, and basically, UL's defense was that you know it's just a bunch of conspiracy theories. And uh, interestingly, their their law firm they hired was Winston and Strawn in, in Illinois, which was chaired by a member of the 9/11 Commission, James R. Thompson. So there's a lot of uh, odd sort of coincidences going on. But basically, the government has not allowed any 9/11 cases to proceed, uh, including those brought by the 9/11 victims' families. Uh, the impression from uh, from a lot of the people we've talked to in the Occupy movement is that that seems to be why the groundswell for Occupy supporters is, is the total lack of any kind of uh, the rule of law seems to only apply to certain people, um, and that's unacceptable. Uh, you said that uh, you and your wife 
are involved with the Occupy movement there in Occupy Bloomington? Right, we have been, yeah. How did you guys get started with the Occupy movement? Well, I think like a lot of people, we read about it uh, as it uh, as it began and thought it was uh, really kind of cool and courageous that these uh, people would stand up for their rights and do something about it. And so we decided to, to try to help. We uh, we marched with a group called Occupy Bloomington, uh, um, and, uh, you know, we went down uh, through town uh, against traffic, blocking the traffic, and, and, and rallying at the Chase Bank in downtown and um, going to the farmer's market and having a big rally there. Um, we've also been uh, down there bef- uh, again uh, a couple of times, and in, in addition to that have uh, had a discussion group on uh, the, the events of 9-11 since I have such a, a strong background in, in 9-11 truth that they asked me, a couple of them, to come down and, and just discuss 9-11 with the Occupy Bloomington folks. So, um, you know, the the uh, movement, uh, Occupy uh, movement, has, um, I think, a similar kind of a um, um, set of, of challenges that the 9-11 truth movement does, um, and that is that the goals uh, um, are sometimes varied among the people in, uh, involved, and then otherwise they're also not very well understood by people outside the movement. So uh, you know, of course, a lot more about the Occupy movement and the goals of that or that movement, but uh, uh, with 9-11 Truth, we have... Uh, um, probably the most common goal is to have a new investigation, an honest and independent investigation, which is most likely to come um, through an in- international body of some sort. Um, so, um, you know, in addition to that, um, we believe, a lot of us, that 9-11 uh, events were um, not uh, the, the result of these alleged 19 hijackers uh, alone. And uh, that that means that we've been lied to, and that means very likely that democracy have, has been subverted through this uh, through this means of uh, the origin of the war on terror. And uh, so it's very similar in some sense to uh, um, the way Occupy uh, is calling for uh, transparency, financial transparency, financial uh, equality. Mm-hmm. Job equality, I think, um, whereas the 9/11 Truth Movement is calling for transparency that will bring about uh, a revelation of of a history, really, of of deception that we believe will uh, will lead us to a more positive, long-lasting positive change in our in our culture, so that we'll all be able to recognize the deception in our lives and and the, even the self-deception that we engage in. And that will prevent things, hopefully, from occurring again, terrorist acts like this, as well as um, uh, financial crimes, you know, being the victims all the time of financial crimes. We as the 99% uh, kind of just being the victims. And and instead rising uh, a little bit up and saying, uh, you know, we need the truth, and, and the truth, we believe, will help us go forward in a more positive way. James, uh, did you have some questions coming in from our audience? Uh, I didn't have one question, but I wanted to ask a question first. Is it James? 
I, I saw that you're connected with Occupy Building 7, and I think that's a fantastic idea. You know, where do you think we are on, in the 9-11 truth moment today, and how can we get it introduced to the Occupy movement? Um, it seemed that there was a lot of support um, from the uh, theoretical left uh, to, to investigate 9-11, and it seemed to me now looking back that it was more that it was just because it was a Republican in charge when it happened. And it seems like, yeah. you know, uh, holding people uh, responsible kind of just dropped off once Obama got elected. Right. Uh, can you address that? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll begin with the Occupy Building 7 initiative, which was uh, a project that was put together by, really by um, a group in Connecticut, um, 9-11 Truth Group in, out of Hartford, uh, West Hartford, Connecticut, uh, in conjunction with um, a, a, a group called uh, the Remember Building 7 initiative. So a Remember Building 7 is, a, is an organization that has put out uh, mainstream uh, um, videos, uh, that, is, that is videos of 9-11 victims and 9-11 family members um, that have been played on mainstream uh, television around the country. So they raise a bunch of money and they put these videos out that ask for an, uh, more awareness and investigation of Building 7. So these two groups got together and they tried a project called Occupy Building 7, and that basically was uh, a call for people to come together in New York City and Manhattan at the site of the new Building 7 and occupy the new Building 7 as a, as a means to raise awareness and uh, call for the new investigation. Uh, so that happened in November of last year. It's pretty much complete. Um, um, but, um, you know, going forward, the 9-11 Truth Movement has a lot of different uh, professional groups now. It's changed a bit from when I first got involved, when it really was, um, as you said, a lot of uh, grassroots people um, working together around the world, really, around the country and around the world, to put on um, conferences, to uh, to to raise awareness through uh, um, blogging and and uh, letters to the editor and and so forth. You know, in 2006, there was a national poll that said that uh, more than a third of the Americans, uh, Scripps Howard came out with a poll that said 36% of Americans believe that, that the uh, U.S. government was either either um, involved in the attacks of 9-11 or somehow uh, just allowed it to happen. So that's a huge number of people. Uh, now in 2012, the media has been controlled a bit, and that's one challenge we have, that um, that leads us to, uh, to see uh, probably a less mass awareness uh, interest in 9-11 and more now these professional groups, scientists for 9-11, uh, media professionals for 9-11, religious leaders for 9-11 and so forth, uh, architects and engineers for 9-11 is a huge one. There's 1,600 licensed and engineers, uh, licensed and degreed engineers and architects who are calling for a new investigation. Um, so, and then, James, I forgot the last part of your question, which was really compelling, too. I, uh, I was wondering how we can... Uh bring the 9-11 truth part portion of the of the story into Occupy. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you're one of those conspiracy nuts or whatever. And then at the same time, they'll tell me that I should be supporting all these carbon taxes and global warming initiatives and other kind of uh, green sciences. 
which I find just as much as a conspiracy as anything out there at this moment, personally. Yeah. Uh, but th that was the question. Okay, well, um, yeah, I think that this exact sort of thing where, uh, you know, Terry uh, and, and, and yourself reached out to me and, and, you know, we're starting a dialogue here. We're starting to discuss how uh, we have things in common and how, um, um, you know, maybe we can and figure out what to do to uh, achieve each other's goals simultaneously. I think that's exactly what we need to do. I think 9-11 truth groups need to reach out to the Occupy movement and uh, vice versa and um, and see if we can't agree that there are some commonalities in what we're trying to achieve. Really, when 9-11 truth uh, people are convinced that 9-11, the events of 9-11 were uh, a false flag or were, as I said, a subversion of democracy, that's really what a lot of the Occupy, uh, Occupy movement's uh, uh, goals appear to be related to, to as well, a subversion of democracy, a subversion of equality, and uh, a growing, exponentially growing uh, imbalance in, in, in equity um, is, is how I see it. Um, take, for example, the uh, recent law in the last year or two where uh, these super PACs can uh, uh, contribute uh, you know, unlimited um, amounts of money to political candidates, and and we really can't find out who it is that's who, that's funding our our politicians, our political leaders. As far as we know, uh, we don't we really don't know who who's funding them. Um, at least that's how I understand it. And so, uh, you know, that's another subversion of democracy that leads exponentially to more of this inequality financially. And, uh, you know, in terms of justice, uh, so the 9-11 Truth Movement is a justice movement and it is definitely a peace movement, um, which many, many people don't really see. Um, and I think the Occupy Movement is also a peace movement. Okay, we do have another question uh, from the chat room. They wanted to know uh, progress on your case against UL or uh, if you can tell us what your legal situation is at, at currently. Well, currently we don't have a legal action against UL, but we continue to consider um, those options. And um, I've talked to my lead attorney this weekend, and uh, he is actually working on a number of things, uh, trying to find ways to to uh, support 9/11 initiatives. Um, but we don't have currently a legal action in place. I just wanted to touch base here. We're kind of there's so much to, to address here in a half an hour show, and I, I really want to thank you, Kevin. You're doing a superb job. Uh, it's really good to hear that you've gone through a lot of the same questions in your mind that we've all gone through. It seems to be a, a similar journey that we're all taking. Um, I guess one of the questions here that we really would like to get is, as a as a chemist, and I, your background is as a chemist. Uh, right. When we're when we're seeing 9/11 uh, science, or like James just mentioned, when we're seeing climate change science, uh, what's your guidance to people who are not chemists on how do you recognize the difference between good science and bad science? What are the debunkers doing? Well, that's a good question, and and uh, basically. Uh, Good science is something that's falsifiable. So if there's a uh, a claim made, first of all, you need to make make really 
certain that you understand what the claim is that's being made. So some of NIST's claims are, are, are that steel softened at temperatures that that obviously that that's never happened before. There's no evidence for that. Is or that, that reproducible? That's not. It's, it is reproducible. We could actually do those experiments and and show that that's not the case. And in fact, historically, that that sort of thing is already uh, in place. With uh, 9/11 science on the independent uh, avenue, there's been a lot of uh, analysis of World Trade Center dust for a couple of reasons. Uh, there's an international team. It's uh, published a paper that's gotten a lot of attention that shows that um, the residues of uh, thermitic materials are present. Uh, in fact, even unexploded uh, nanothermite materials are present scattered throughout the World Trade Center dust. Other studies have shown that metallic microspheres that really could only have been formed through high temperature processes uh, that haven't been explained otherwise uh, appear to be the result of thermite, which Thermite is this really high temperature chemical reaction that uh, can be used to soften metal. It's also been used in demolition devices. And so that kind of science is falsifiable as well because anybody can get a, a sample of World Trade Center dust. They can find out if these metallic microspheres are in the dust. They can do analyses on them. They can look for these uh, red chips that we've, uh, this team has, uh, presented evidence on and and you know science is just a process of learning and we all need to be open-minded about it it doesn't need to be a, uh the, the worst thing that can happen it becomes just an argument in a chat room somewhere when really it needs to be a series of peer-reviewed uh, published articles that uh, support or challenge each other that's the way science proceeds are the are you seeing that sort of peer-reviewed uh type of scientific method, for lack of a better term for it, uh, we know that you are producing results that are what we used to call scientific method, if there is such a thing anymore, that it is something that is it reproducible or not. Um, you call it falsifiable, I guess right. it's the same thing. Same, same In other words, you can prove whether or not it's false or not. It's not That's subjective right. truth, it's objective truth, correct? That's right. Uh, are you and and the dog agrees too? Uh, uh, that, yeah. uh, that's okay. We wanted to get his vote too. <laughs> Again, Kevin, uh, you've left us with a whole lot to be thinking about here, and we'd really like to get you back on the show somewhere up the line. Keep us keep us in the loop on what do we need to know about how the Occupy movement and and the 9/11 movement. I, I, I think you've made the case uh, beautifully. That, that this is something that is a part of the Occupy movement. It's obviously a part of you and your wife's reasons for being part of the Occupy movement. Um, did you have anything you wanted to add here? Because we're kind of running out of time. We're going to have to wrap it. No, thanks a lot for having me, and I'd be glad to come back. Well, it should be great to have you. Uh, I want to thank James, my co-host, uh, Brattery, our engineer. Um, am I forgetting anybody, James? I would just throw in there that uh, you can find us and contact us through occupyamerica.name.com. If you just Google Occupy America, you should find it, we hope. Join up. And, and we'll have some links up that uh, that uh, are recommended to us by Kevin to kind of, if, if he has any recommendations for further reading for people that are interested in this. Right now, we're about out of time. So 
that's a that's about it for Ocean Radio for this week. And again, thank you, Kevin, and we look forward to talking to you in the future. Thanks for standing. <laughs>